You shaved your head for V for Vendetta. Mm -hmm. um, did you also shave your V for vagina? Um, pass. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the analysis. Welcome back to another thrilling installment of my favorite segment that we do now. A segment that we've already covered has been sweeping the nation. Our most listened to, our most most touched podcasts, the Case Fours. And today I'm joined again by my buddies in Denver coming to us via candlelight because their power just went out. Mr. Mike Hammond and Mr. Jordan Harris. Say hi to the people, guys. Hey, hey everybody. Hey, so you guys had a big crash. You guys are uh, into the uh, the shimmer. The shimmer. You guys, you guys have entered into the shimmer where there's not very much telecommunication access, but you're able to reach me here and uh, participate in the podcast. And today we are going to be making a case for. We are going to be profiling the career of. Natalie Portman. Yes, sir. Natalie. Natalie Portman, guy. I think a, a historic uh, uh, a case for for the podcast, right? Showing some uh, love to the ladies for the first time. Yeah, yeah. We're getting a little Me Too here. Ladies can do <laughs> stuff, too. This is our first lady that we've ever done a case for on, and that's ironic because she played the first lady when she did a movie about Jackie. So the nation's first lady, this podcast's first lady, Miss Natalie Portman. Guys, uh, we have a lot to get to today, so I, this is one that you guys picked, you're very excited about. Again, when we do the case for, we profile and, and make a case for this actress's career. We're going to be doing that uh, through a little bit of structure, so we look at her two best movies or performances. I leave it up to you guys to make a decision on how you want to take that assignment. We also talk about her two least favorite movies or least favorite performances that uh, all of us have. We are then going to do an underrated movie. Uh, uh, we're going to have some time for some shout outs for some movies that didn't quite make our list, but we still really appreciate. And then we're going to do some alternative casting where we're going to look at some roles that she was considered for. And then we are also going to consider her for some roles that no one's ever really thought of. So with that said, I want to just get some of our general impressions when you guys were going through your movies and going through some of your research. What were some things that you guys ended up thinking and feeling about Natalie Portman? I'll start with you, Mike. Two things. One is, full disclosure, number one favorite actress, Natalie Portman, gold standard. Okay, did not know that. Yep, number one. And then number two, very hard to pick two performances that were her best and separate them from the movies. So she was difficult, I think. Because she's been in so many great movies, but I don't know if that means her performances were the best. So, hard to make two out of this one. Okay, what about her makes her your favorite actress? I think the versatility. She was like a child star all the way up through doing action movies, science fiction movies, biopics. She's done everything. And That's true. Lots of different genres. Yeah, and she's just a dead giveaway for an interesting movie, right? She's sort of been... And we'll talk about this, but she's had these these kind of booms and not busts, but she's she's had swoons in her career. But she has these like two or three year segments in her career that are just nuts. When you look at the movies she made, so it's always good to see kind of that era that she has, where each time she comes up with these different kind of roles and and action movies and things, it's all over the place. So. That's the main thing for me. Yeah. yeah. The good point is that she's one of those child stars that didn't go crazy. 
So yeah. got to appreciate and send her some love there. That that doesn't always happen. Uh, Jordan, how about you? What uh what are some of your feelings and impressions towards Miss Portman? Yeah, for me, she's a an actor that I consider a, a dependable. And what I mean by that is like there's a few actors out there that when they come out with a movie, you can uh, it's okay to get excited for it because you can pretty much count on it being worth watching. Uh, and Portman's one of those actors for me where whenever she has something in the pipeline, you know, they're not all the greatest movies ever, but uh, you can pretty much count on her to put out good work. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I know we're going to have to pick some two words here, but she hasn't had a, uh, a lot of low points in her career. Right. So, yeah. Uh, which is always nice, yeah. which is always nice when you, when we're going to, to that part of the assignment, when it's more difficult, the, the better and the, the, the better your case for it can be. I, my, my impressions, uh, first of all, I always just feel and it, maybe it's because she's the Harvard grad and she comes just in Hollywood. There's just this aura about her that she's very intelligent. So I just feel very enlightened and intelligent when I watch a Natalie Portman movie. I don't know why. Maybe that's just a me thing. <laughs> uh, also, we talk a lot about when when we find an actress, This, especially this group, us three, we like to talk about when we came across these movies, where we were at at that point of our life. And she's really an actress. She's one of the first actresses of our generation. She was doing movies in the late 90s and early 2000s. And that was right when we were, we were always movies fans, but like getting really into how we thought about movies and kind of upping our tastes and upping our, our, our film level and reference level. And so just out of all the actresses that we're doing a lot, and I just made a quick little list here of just like, Kirsten Dunst was in a lot. Uh, Nev Campbell, Cameron Diaz, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Angelina Jolie, uh, Winona Ryder. There's a bunch of Jessica Alba. There's a bunch of people that were kind of of her age that were making movies when we were really elevating our tastes. And she's easily out of that list that I just made number one. Oh, for uh, sure. I don't, yeah. I don't know yeah, if she's Bob, that's a good, my number. <clears throat> that's a good point Go you ahead. made, though. She's not uh, like an eye candy actress, right? She does very, like, smart roles. She was never looked at that way from the beginning, where I feel like a lot of those people you mentioned were like rom-com stars who kind of had their their five seconds of fame with or these, at the very least she movies. avoided being typecast into that right, exactly more, yeah she did uh, smart yeah. movies she had smart roles in the beginning yeah born in 81 we're 86ers right so kind of a shared experience yeah. there she's within our wheelhouse she's old enough to where we could could idolize her and have crushes on her we're basically best uh, friends but yeah exactly so she's kind of uh, of our generation and uh you know i've always just Again, her, her intelligence level really shows through on screen, but she can do a lot. And versatility is something when we come to these types of actors and we're doing case fours, especially early on here, where versatility, the word comes up a bunch and a bunch. And she can play somebody who's a genius and speaking at very high levels about cellular biology, but then she can also play kind of gutter trash and it reads very well either way. So that's a testament to her and a testament to her craft. All right, so before we get to our structure, real quick, I wanted to go over the filmography to give us a uh, foundation to get started on. So uh, first things first, her Rotten Tomato split, she has 20 certifiably fresh movies and 12 rotten. So her highest ranked movie is Jackie, actually, and her lowest ranked movie is Your Highness, starring her and K motherfucking P <laughs> and Franco and, and some other losers. Uh, actually, her second movie is her second highest rated is Annihilation. So, uh, with that, it, throughout her career, she's had three nominations, one win. She was first nominated for Closer, 
She was then nominated and won for Black Swan, and then after that, she was nominated for Jackie in 2017. So the filmography, our journey starts in 1994. She was cast as Matilda in Leon the Professional. In 95, she was in Heat with De Niro and Pacino and a billion other people. Uh, then after that, 96, she's in Beautiful Girls. 96, she's also in a Woody Allen movie, Everyone Says I Love You. And then she played Jack Nicholson's daughter, the president's daughter in Mars Attacks. Uh, 99, she comes back for Star Wars Episode One: A Phantom Menace. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, 99, she's also in Anywhere But Here, which is a cool little uh, drama with her and Susan Sarandon. In 2000, she's in Where the Heart Is. 2002, she's in Star Wars again, Attack of the Clones. 03, she does Cold Mountain. And then 04, she does Garden State and Closer. 05, she's back in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, guys! Uh, after Revenge of the Sith, she comes back for a movie called Free Zone. In 06, she does V for Vendetta in Paris, Je t'aime. I hope I said that right. 06, she's also in Goya's Ghost. 07, My Blueberry Nights, Darjeeling Limited, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Then she's in The Other Bolin Girl. Then she's in The Other Woman. She's in New York, I Love You, Brothers, with her and Jill and Hall and Tobey Maguire. She's then in Hesher, before 2010 doing Black Swan. 2011, she does No Strings Attached and Your Highness, and then Thor, not the best year for her there. Uh, 2013, she's in Thor, The Dark World. 2015, she's in The Knight of Cups. 2016, she's in Jane Got a Gun and Jackie. Then 2016, she's in Planetarium before doing Song to Song in 2017, and in 2018, did Annihilation. So now that we have a platform to go off of, let's start with our favorite movies, and I'm going to throw it over to, because we did uh, at First Impressions with Mike, we're going to do Favorite Movie with Jordan. So Jordan, what is your favorite Natalie Portman movie? Yeah, like Mike was saying, this was really tough because I am of the opinion that her best movies and her best roles don't align. Uh, and so I had a, a tough time deciding which route to take this, and I ultimately settled on picking what I think are her uh, best movies. And it's also kind of a little tough because I don't think it's necessarily the ones where she has a leading role. And so I felt kind of, I don't know, guilty picking movies where she's maybe not the the lead as uh, what I think are her best. But um, I got to go with Garden State because that movie to me is just, it holds up so well. It's speaking like directly to us and our generation. Like you were saying, Bob, we... We talk a lot about uh, where we are, where we were uh, in our lives when we saw these movies, and I, I rewatched Garden State, and I was amazed just how uh, on point it it still felt to me, and it was like seeing it for the first time again. It's been fifteen years later, almost more yeah. than that. Yeah, um, yeah. And so she, you know, she's not the the lead in that, but it's just a fantastic movie, and she is the heart of that movie, um, and I don't think it would be the same without her. So. Uh, I'm going number one, Garden State. Yeah, she's like the glue in that movie. Yeah, she oh, kind of pulls sure. it all together. Yeah, she it's brings so all the heart and emotion, and uh, the, most of the feels to that movie come through oh, yeah. Natalie Portman. Yeah, the second she's on screen at the hospital, all the way through to the end of the movie, is just she's just the entire movie every time she's on frame. She's also that type of actress that like, 
for me at least, when she laughs, it makes you laugh just without her even doing anything. When she cries, you just feel sad. Yeah, and she, yeah. I wrote that do down. That. Yeah. She's a full body laugher and crier. Yeah, she laughs with her entire body and and she cries it's, there's all her all her movies when she's crying it's her whole face she's yeah. so expressive yeah yeah and there's a lot of range for her in that movie specifically in garden state she's all over the place yeah she kind of like she, I, I think it became like a she was almost like it started this whole like kind of quirky uh, at least for me uh quirky i don't know like teenagers or like uh 20 something girl sort of style where it's like okay to be yourself and be a little bit weird like that's the first time i remember seeing that uh-huh. Being like normalized and idolized, right, right, again, yeah, not like a Donald Barbie type role or anything, yeah, very natural. No, no, she's she's very plain looking, and mm-hmm. in a lot of these movies, she's very comfortable letting herself go without makeup, which is which is pretty rad. And, and I don't think she, if she's wearing makeup in this, it's it's hardly any. But yeah, you're right in that this movie really doesn't work without a very strong dynamic and relationship between the two, uh, her and Zach Braff's character, and I really see through the character arcs how they love each other. You know, and yeah. I, I see what what she does to him and, and why he would be drawn to her. And I also see how he sees her in a different light, you know, and that and she's so her uh, she's so um, self-conscious. And it's like, oh, my God, you want to jump out of this room right now? You hate yourself. Oh, my God, my family's so embarrassing. Right. It's weird. I've got this weird brother. Right. He's a foreign exchange student. And Zach Braff going like, no, you're OK. And he grounds her, you know, and he goes, I, you know, I see you, you're fine. If I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. I enjoy spending time with you. And just, and, and how she's able to pull him out of, of his state and show, show him the joy in life. I, that's that kind of where they go and the journey that they go on together. And it's only over that short weekend. And the movie really moves along very fast. It, it, the, the watch for me picked up a lot more than I remember it being. Uh, but I the the movie doesn't work without her, and it doesn't work without her pulling off that. And that's that's kind of a tough role because it could be very annoying. Yeah. The plucky, like I'm it's, an odd girl, and beep beep beep, I've yeah, got this weird yeah. dance, and that could be with the wrong actress, that could be very obnoxious. But with her, it's just landed perfectly and and on the right tone. Very very cool movie. Yeah, ultimately it's a coming of age story, right? And it's about twenty somethings, and the background of the story. I mean. It's, it, it matters, but it kind of doesn't, right? It's, it's there for the plot, but the movie's about uh, relationships and love and uh, outward-looking love, like, with others, and also inward-looking and finding yourself. And yeah, uh, I think for, at least for us in our generation, it just hit home so well. And I'd be really curious to see how uh, younger kids or, uh, you know, older folks like uh, relate to that now. movie. Yeah, yeah like so if they saw that. If they have that same experience that. or if... Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Like, yeah. if a if a 2014 grad were to watch that, do, does it hit them the same way that it hit the, hit us? And there's in it, I think it holds up very well. Oh, uh, for and sure. there was a few things that were pretty goofy. Did you notice that in the cast of this, there's uh, a few people, Hereditary and Dowd. She just kind of lives in. She's she plays Natalie Portman's mom in this, yeah, but she's yeah, just kind yeah. of that indie actor, indie actress that's in everything. And then Jim Parsons is the uh, uh, yeah. medieval times. <laughs> Guy yeah. that's a fucking Sarsgaard's mom. Yeah, that's a big thing. It's like, oh shit, Jim Parson. Yeah. But that, my favorite scenes, I wrote down a couple of my favorite scenes here. Uh, the party scene, uh, and then when he goes in to get his CAT scan, and it's it's got like <laughs> yeah. pussy and dicks drawn all over it. He yeah. didn't even realize under his shirt. Uh, I My favorite scene is the pool scene. When they're diving into the pool, and then she swims up to him and has to like 
coax mm-hmm. him into the pool, and then they spend all their time in the shallow end because he doesn't know how to swim. And then the and then rolling into that uh, dance scene at the fireplace, I really, really, really liked all those moments. And then watching her figure skating and kind of watching her go through that and, and all the the personal embarrassment, but how he's able to and provide her self confidence in that. Um, I really like that. She has a, yeah, again that girl next doorness. I know it's very cliche to say, but was very into that in this movie. Yeah, yeah, awesome. and that movie has the most quintessential soundtrack, really, of our great soundtrack. Two thousands life. It's it is a soundtrack movie, but I've debated this before. Like when I went into the, the baby driver conversation with Hayes, and he was like, "I love this movie. I mean, the soundtrack." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you need characters too. It can't just be. I can go listen to a CD. You know, I want to have characters, and I want to be invested more in a plot. And so this movie, the the soundtrack complements." the movie very well yeah that for makes me sense? Great yeah because for me it was uh the first time i saw that movie and i heard the music in it it added to the movie and i didn't know most or all of those songs whereas re-watching it now like i know all those songs and i've listened to them a million times so re-watching it it almost seemed like the movie was trying to plug popular songs into it um and so i had to like remember that like no when i first saw this this was just adding the first the time film. you've ever heard the shins yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and also just props to Zach Braff for having one story to tell and absolutely nailing it. Yeah, what's the precedent for that? <laughs> Has anyone else ever done anything like that? That guy. Yeah, just come yeah. out one movie, just, yeah. well, just lights Eminem. out. I guess Eminem did that. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write, but Braff uh, wrote and directed this movie and told the story and just nailed it. And I don't think he has another story to tell. Like I haven't I, seen him around. So. I mean, I honestly, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck—they've done other movies, but they've only written one. It yeah, was just true. a home run, and they've never come back. Yeah, so. but I, yeah, amazing. That's yeah, a great number one. Yeah, that one was yeah, hard for me. Yeah, that one was hard for me to rank. Okay, so good, good way to get us started there with Garden State, Mister Harris. I'm going to swing it over to Mister Mike Hammond. Let's get your first favorite movie. Black Swan's number one for me. Okay, well, Black Swan. I yeah. have Black Swan on my list as well, so we're gonna have to tag team this one together. Okay. Yeah, that seems like kind of the cop out answer, but. Really yeah. difficult. Really difficult to deny the physical commitment to that kind of role. I rewatched the yeah. movie, and she is she is super like real thin in that movie, which is kind mm-hmm. of nuts. Which I forgot about somehow. Yeah, uh, she lost twenty pounds for it, which is wow. significant because she probably only weighed one hundred and twenty. <laughs> I was gonna say that's yeah. like a, yeah. a yeah. core of her body weight. Twenty percent of the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that, and and so she looks like this really frail, innocent sort of. Uh, woman in this movie and and you feel that in the movie and then of course the ballet component it's not like she's there's five minute long sets of her dancing but there are segments where she's dancing and it's really impressive it looks real yeah Arnofsky said that she did about 80% of the dancing he counted the shots and then counted which ones they used of her and he said it was about 80% yeah and I get I know that's not necessarily acting but it's a commitment to the role and I know she had the background a bit in dancing but I love that kind of stuff when someone commits on that level. And then you just have the the range of – she's schizophrenic essentially in the movie. Or you're supposed to feel that way in her in her, in her her perspective. So just all over the place, really demanding role. She's got that, you know, super aggressive Leslie scene she has to do in the movie too, which probably wasn't easy yeah, for her. I'm sure that was what, one of the reasons why this jumped a couple of the other ones. <laughs> okay. All right. She's a, she's a totally different character from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Yeah, she transforms. It's obvious, and she can she can handle that. Yeah, but you see it in her, in her, in her face, and her body, everything. She really conveys that. So it's hard yeah. to not give that as number one noun for me. I, I think this is the perfect blend of her skills. And, I, and, and thus, I think it's her best performance. 
I don't know if it's my favorite movie she's done, but it's her best performance in that she's got to play in, you know, obviously there's a metaphor in there for the white swan and the black swan, but she's got to play the innocence and she's almost childlike and she's overprotected by her mother. And she says, mommy, and she's very, that innocence and, and the, everything about her that the costuming is almost too dead on where she's wearing these like little pink pastels and this like feathery white scarf when she's walking around the city but then it's in stark contrast to uh, Mila Kunis and she's in black leather and it's like oh okay I get what you guys are doing here but yeah. um, we were talking about coming of age with Garden State and this movie is really a coming of age movie as well uh, this movie plays a lot on the themes of lost innocence. You know, she's got to, in order to play this part uh, to perfection, she's got to basically uh, lose lose herself and lose her innocence within it. And very much that stabbing at the end of the movie is her, like, killing off the innocence of herself. She's now doing drugs. She's significantly more sexually active. You know, she's kind of, it's it's very much about her. And to your guys' point, she's completely transforming as a person and transforming out of that old self yeah uh, so i think that's really cool I, I darren arnofsky and it's really hard to mention this movie and just not talk about right. him in general but the stuff he does with the way this is shot this is a fucking ballet movie it's intense as hell yeah from start I, to finish yeah yeah i rewatched this with caitlin she's watching it through her fingers at some points and i'm like it's, it's just crazy it, to me it's kind of like a horror movie or like a yeah. psychological thriller. It really is. It's a thriller, drama, horror, suspense. It's uh, it's rad, and, and and Arnowski plays a lot in in the mental state of people trying to try, or that are addicted to some sort of cause. So with Pi, you know, the guy is addicted to solving Pi, and then obviously the the stuff that's going on in requiem and then this she's like addicted to perfection and she's mm -hmm. addicted to being as good as she possibly can be and and i always think that those are really interesting addiction's just something that exists and swirls in our world so it's a very compelling place to spend a lot of time thinking about in movies so i i just think it's overall plus plus the the basically she has to play two different characters throughout the course of a 90 minute movie it's incredibly impressive yeah, I do think uh, thematically it's a little bit all over the place, and the story itself has a lot of like interesting themes that uh, struggle to come together to a greater whole to make like a really compelling story. So I kind of thought like I totally agree that Portman's uh, fantastic and it's her her best acting job, and I sort of felt that the movie was good because of her. Um, and that's not to say that like everybody else was shit and she carried it, but. I thought that like she was the most interesting part of that whole yeah. movie. Where like what things were you thinking about that you you would have liked to see buttoned up a little more? Well, because it, it kind of touches on all these different things, right? Like you were saying, like ballet and the strive for perfection, and then there's like this psychosis aspect aspect to it, um, and then the coming of age and like finding yourself and discovering yourself, and it's all kind of there. But I struggled to tie it together to have like some greater meaning i thought it was just kind of exploring all well, these things you could um, also take it as a just a modern day telling of the black swan like yeah. that's another a angle in here as well which or like a true I mean, portrayal of like all the elements. ballet industry yeah yeah but i think this is another this is almost like a tarantino type thing where it's like check this out i'm gonna do a movie about ballet and it's gonna be amazing it's gonna blow your mind yeah like i feel like he's the kind of guy that <laughs> and i gotta figure out how to fill like yeah. 120 right. minutes so like i'm gonna make all this kind of shit happen right yeah. and you're just like this is insane 
I don't yeah. know. I thought it was executed. I again, it's not the greatest. It wasn't the greatest movie of the year. It didn't win the Oscar for best movie, but I just I I think I like that ambition of I'm gonna I'm gonna put this I'm gonna do a thriller in a in a not very thrilling uh, type scenario and take people on a ride and you know it'll kind of blow their minds a little bit. I I, I kind of like the ambitiousness and hell even maybe the cockiness of Aronofsky in that. I also just love this whole what it takes to be great. I yes, love it, and yes. they, they explore it later in Whiplash, you know, with just, like, uh-huh. what it takes to truly be great, and, and maybe sometimes it takes absolutely destroying yourself, and it's like, how important is the greatness to you? Get, are you willing to destroy yourself to achieve it? And that is, that's a, a major theme in this movie, and I just, I've always found that a, a fascinating uh, character study. And that's a good, and, that's it, a good call with Whiplash, too, yeah. because it's, you take these individual sports or individual activities that are just it's just you and it's not like there's a team component and that comes through so much more like what are you willing to do right there's no excuses there's no teammates there's nothing it's just you so i think that's a good example at the same time aronofsky brags about writing that movie in like seven days so did he oh really yeah oh yeah he basically just was like i cranked it out it was nothing so like is he really Um, like yeah the war stories behind the filming of it have become legend almost like the jaws shark it's like oh we didn't have a medical trailer because i wanted to make these sacrifices so i broke my rib and i didn't have a medic on site and i had to lose these weight and i had to dance and all the kind of like stories that come up and that we got wasted before we filmed the lesbian scene and and those those Mm -hmm. things were kind of trickled out to the media and it wasn't like you know i'm sure stuff like happens on tons of different sets all the time but they're they're almost like proud to wear those like badges of honor and and those are all part of kind of like baked into the story of black swan it's just it's filming you know yeah yeah we all knew too this is the kind of movie that it's got aronofsky it's got natalie portman it's got this kind of different it was oscar bait yeah yeah it was oscar bait from day one we were the imdb page on that you knew this was a had a really good chance she had a chance to win so that's but she's fantastic so yeah props support definitely deserved it yeah cool so, uh, good, good. A couple of moving on. So, we, we double dipped there. My first one, or my second one was Black Swan. My number one, and this isn't probably a surprise for you guys, but if you can guess, uh, can't take my eyes off of you. Can't mm. take my eyes off of you. Can't take my eyes off of you. What do you think my number one is? That would be closer, Bob. <laughs> that would be closer. Damien Rice. Correct. I was hoping for three more minutes of the song. Yeah. (laughs) Classic. I can't take my eyes off of you. Number one is is Closer with a Bullet. Uh, You guys uh, know I'm a theater turd. This is, and it doesn't always happen where theater plays, and they're they're adapted often into movies. Uh, Not all the times with the most success, but I, I think they really just knock it out of the park in this movie. Uh, it's written both the, the playwright uh, wrote the screenplay Patrick Marber he had won a, a Laurence Olivier Best New Play for this it was nominated for Tony's uh, but it's a really a fantastic forehander and they, they hardly change anything uh, going into the movie and it's a forehander it's really try to name a character outside of the, the four main characters that are in this movie you can't it focuses on them and again this movie came out in 04 and it was coming it was coming to me in a time of my life where a lot of the themes in the movie 
were speaking to me a lot in my personal relationships because it's another movie about relationships and finding love and and the the person that's right for you and the struggles of a relationship and well i think it's the exact opposite i think i think it really plays against a lot of the the usual tropes of romantic movies and relationship movies uh because this movie is kind of counter to that these people are seeking truth and they it, a lot of this is like what's your real name or what happened did you fuck this guy and the truth actually drives these people farther apart uh this movie is about jealousy it's about the paranoia that comes along with relationships it's like the darker and, side of relationships i guess a little bit yeah but this movie is like like lyrically I, and that's probably the wrong wrong word but the the vocabulary of these characters they're so articulate and it's a very erotic and sexual movie for not actually having anybody having sex in it and that's always that's one thing with this is like the the language is so explicit in in the way they communicate with each other but they there's never any like actual physical sex scenes happening and it's the 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 Drama is something I think about these scenes all the time. The scene where it's like, there's always a choice. There's always a moment where you can give into your temptation. It, it wasn't like it just happened. You you always there's a there's always a moment where you can process it and say yes or no and give into it. And you chose to give into it. And also just the idea of you not being able to find true love until you've absolutely fucked it up to the point where there's no going back and it's already over. And that's the moment in which you've that you realize you love this person, but it's already too late. And when <laughs> when I watch that, it's like, yep, yep, I've been there. I don't know. What do you guys think about this one? Well, I'd say it's Natalie Portman's raciest role, right? What do you think? Of yeah. Her? Out of the... Well, she plays a stripper. Out of the ones, right. Off. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's a different side of her. I definitely like the movie. It wasn't in my top two, but I can see why it's up there for you. I mean, it's... And, and really, and it's, it's a four-hander, so it's her... Julia Roberts, Clive Owen, and Jude Law. So four people that are kind of at the top of their game. Julia is probably the biggest star out of out of all those four. But I think that Natalie Portman, she's the most innocent character in this, despite being a stripper. But she's also blows Julia Roberts away. Yeah. Oh, shit. totally. Yeah. It's she kill, and I think Clive Owen actually kicks the shit out of in terms of compelling and being being magnetic on screen. I think he kicks the shit out of Jude Law. No, I really watched this movie. Guy. Yeah, yeah, Dude, we were Rob? really into Clive now. No, Clive. Yeah, Clive kind of fell oh, off a cliff. Yeah, Clive fell off a cliff. It's kind of funny alliteration. But it's, <laughs> yeah, he was, it was, uh, I thought, I, I watch this movie now and I want Larry and uh, Jane or Alice, however you want to mm-hmm. say her name, uh, to get, I really want them to be together because they're the most compelling. Um, but yeah, just kind of the using using the truth and in, in, in like talking the, the concept of like talking about your adultery but as not as a point of asking for forgiveness but almost as a dagger you know to, to try to try to use it for pain and just the tactics that people go through in a relationship to either get the person to need them more or to to feel more in power those kind of things uh being explored i I really haven't seen a movie that goes to those places like this movie does i've always just loved this movie and i i love i love her i love natalie portman's moments in it the most the 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 scene at the end in the hotel where she goes i would have fucking loved you forever like you fucked this up so bad like i was all in and you 
blew that and now you're sitting here and you're and you're wallowing like dude you threw this away i just i think about that stuff and for me what i didn't realize until preparing for this podcast is in my mind i've always grouped garden state and closer together uh without realizing really like fully the natalie portman connection and i've always grouped them together as movies that like really hit me deeply about relationships and like obviously in different ways um Mm -hmm. But those were those were two movies that you know I just like had that deeper emotional impact. Uh, that those movies left a deeper emotional impact on me, and uh, I I totally agree with you on how like you watch that movie and you're like, man, I can totally relate to that. The only thing I'll say is that for me it didn't hold up nearly as well as Garden State. I find the movie to be like a collection of like dramatic scenes as opposed to um, a full story. And I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember feeling that way when I first saw it, uh, you know, back in 2004, 2005 or whatever, but rewatching it. And I know that's always something we talk about is, well, how do you evaluate the movie when you, the way you felt when you first saw it or when you rewatched it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that was my only, my only knock is that I didn't think it held up as well as, as Garden State did and some of the other movies on, uh, uh, the filmography of Natalie Portman. I don't know, man. I, I feel like, and it's and, it, and it's. I have a connection with Mike Nichols, who directed this movie, and he also directed. He he does a lot of the like racier uh, bedroom or living room dramas. Like he did uh, The Graduate, and he did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and he's he's been a theater icon as well. But I I think that the way he directs this too is very simple. Uh, but but the you can talk about the music as well. I think the the music in this movie is really affecting. I, I think the story is, is simple, but for me, and, and this is something that me and you have always kind of, uh, kind of disagreed on Jordan is that I'm more of a character driven guy. I, I really rely in, in the beats and, and then, and you're more of a, of a whole story and a concept guy. And so these like character studies I find fascinating and you're always longing for more concept, I guess. Is, 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 am I, am I on the same page with that? Yeah, it's basically why I kept Jackie off the list. That's what I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right, for sure. Okay, well, cool. Uh, um, a little bit of disagreement, but uh, love love me some closer. Let's uh, swing back to you then, Jordan, for your second favorite. So, again, yeah, sticking with my uh, uh, you know, the same structure as my first one, picking the movie instead of the performance, uh, I'm going V for Vendetta, which is another movie that I... Uh, really enjoyed. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, 1984 meets, uh, yeah, I don't know what it meets, but yeah. it definitely has that like big brother. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the background of the stories. Uh, it's a, you know, dystopian London, big brother, uh, rule over, uh, life and, um, sort of the, the, the underdog fights back kind of a story. And, um, remember, remember the fifth of November. Yeah, launched the whole Guy Fawkes thing. So uh, without, yeah. I can definitely say without V for Vendetta, I would have no fucking idea who Guy Fawkes is. So I, I agree. <laughs> I actually just went and read a bunch of Guy Fawkes as I was watching it the other day too, just to just to freshen up. I was like, oh yeah, cool. This story. Uh, this movie to me is it's pretty cool. Uh, definitely a, a lot more concept, and and a lot of the themes are definitely prevalent still today with just the fear mongering or like uh abuse of the media censorship i mean this movie half the movie takes place in a in a television studio 
you know, and she works for a television studio and kind of the, the relationship with media and, and the need for truth seeking is something. And they even were playing, you know, the last Oscar season where you were seeing the post and, and then the, you know, the years before where you were seeing about just the importance of uh, having the right people in the right side of the news. And, you know, those are themes that are addressed in this movie that are still very relevant today. I, I had a problem with this in terms of a Natalie Portman movie because I think her accent sucks. I was just going to ask you about that, Bob. I forgot how English this movie was. Yeah. It's very English, and she's she's not pulling off the accent, in my opinion. And a lot of people have strong... Every time someone does an accent, you're going to have a strong opinion. But I just think this is... This is not an all-timer, so I'm not saying that she's like Kevin Costner in Robin Hood or she's uh, like Keanu Reeves or something doing English, but it's it's definitely more towards like Don Cheadle, not good. <laughs> did, I, that ruin, so, did that ruin the whole movie for you? It did. I could I could <laughs> barely watch her in these scenes. Yeah. and Because she's trying to do it so seriously, and I'm like, God, mm-hmm. it sounds like shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Who, who's your fucking vocal coach? Yeah, yeah so, you're always a big accent guy. That's why I wanted to ask you what you thought. Because I didn't know. I never know. I never have a strong opinion and stuff. But this one, I was just was curious because she is a little bit... She's quiet in the movie, too, sometimes. It's kind of hard to understand her, I felt. But I think she's great in it. I I was curious if, if you guys knew how how successful was this movie at the box office. Was it, like, a huge hit? I didn't see out? it in theaters. I saw it on DVD at the time. I think it found Second Life... Uh, being passed around the video store more so than foot traffic in the theater and it's not i mean really it's not it it, it's not a movie for any particular set of people it's not really an action movie there's action in it but it's very much like a political satire movie i guess and it's so i i think the main the main audience was the graphic novel people because this was a graphic novel that was done by the same guy that did like uh Alden Moore, uh, Watchmen, and mm-hmm. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and stuff like that. So right. I guess it's kind of like fans for people of that subculture. But I, I don't know other than that, like who was like, I gotta go see this dystopian Nazi Guy Fox movie. Yeah, English English themed movie. Um, yeah. and it and like you know Black Swan and Jackie and some of her like. Oscar bait movies I think are you know technically better more well done movies but I just got more enjoyment out of V for Fanta than I did out of those movies so um, I figured since I picked Garden State and uh, went for the best movie route versus best performance route I'd, I'd go with V for Vendetta so um, I would definitely well, say if anyone hasn't my... seen it it's definitely <laughs> worth a watch it's well yeah a and, and, um, oh, sure. and earlier I was talking about how there's been these kind of swoons in her career and then there's been these these like Moments you have these great movies. Garden State was 04, Closer was 04, Vu Vendetta was 05. Yeah. She did those in a row. That was a good run. Yeah. Yeah. And and look at how different those movies are. And and none of those movies are like things that she's lining up saying, like, I know I'm going to have success doing this movie because. Those movies all could have flopped. Of who's directing it, who's writing it. Yeah. Uh, It's crazy. Yeah, I agree. I also just want to get on a soapbox for Hugo Weaving. Dude needs more work. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, but, I mean, Mr. Uh, Mr. Agent Smith and then V from V for Vendetta. This guy is really, really cool. I don't. I guess that you need to have more movies where you need a dude with, like, a crazy voice and uh, almost, like, Shakespearean dramatic. 
but I, I think he's I think he's really good. Well, he delivers some some yeah, tongue twisting lines. Yeah. Some really there's some crazy dialogue he has in this movie. Yeah, well, yeah it's like he half really of it's kills like it. famous poetry. Well, he's wearing he's, a mask like, the whole time. Yeah, you're gonna see yeah. him. Yeah, I really think it's I, I really think he's rad here. Let's get let's get some more uh, weaving projects out there, Hollywood. What, now you guys are listening. All right, let's bring so, back the Matrix. Spot time for a reboot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's reboot it. Matrix so, nine. yeah, Reeves is available. Uh, Hammond, let me uh, hear your second one. Okay, so this is what I struggle with. Number two for me is Jackie. Mm-hmm. Not because of the movie, because of her performance. Yeah, okay. The problem here yeah. with looking at, at her career with these performances is, I think, Garden State, V for Vendetta, Closer, those really aren't her movie, are they? I it's, mean, it's a this classic is problem for women in Hollywood, right? They don't yeah. get the opportunities to be lead leads as much, is why I felt really guilty picking the movies, uh, leaving off the movies where she is the lead from my favorite list, because that's what I mean. she's so transcendent that she does get the opportunity to like carry a movie herself, and she can and does, but I yeah. don't think those movies were all that. Like, great. I think they were as good as some of her ensemble movies. So Yeah, that's the problem, is, is she's got some of these great performances, but she's sharing movies with people. And I so... thought Jackie was a really great 30-minute movie. Yeah, like in the first act. Yeah. Yeah, but I just yeah. think for her specifically, I've always been a sucker for biopics because my layman's uh, assessment of acting is making a character is really cool, but if there's someone staying next to somebody, you can compare if this person sounds like that person and vice versa. That's really challenging. I have the exact opposite opinion. Opposite. Yeah. Me yeah, too. I, I think creating so, a unique character is very challenging and mimicking somebody is yeah. a bit easier. Yeah, I guess. I just think for mimicking that character and the way they chose the timeline of when they were going to tell her story, it's really difficult. I mean, she's supposed to be bereaving. She's supposed to be this, this person no one can identify with. Well, and if and you don't do a great job everyone's gonna say oh my god she tried to be jackie and she was fucking trash exactly exactly so there's there's, yeah it happens all the time there's a reference point there so that's why i enjoy that part of it and i thought it was one of her only standalone movies she's done uh, where it's just it's really just her on screen for most of that movie the rest of the people don't matter and so that's why i wanted to credit it and make it number two on the list which was hard for me i had jackie two garden state three so i'm also really interesting that her and uh peter sarsgaard reconnected and the two movies they've done are garden state and jackie which yeah, very couldn't, different. Couldn't be more different, yeah. His Bobby Kennedy was pretty forgettable in this. I he just yeah, he I, I that was one thing I will give Jackie credit for is that it's Natalie Portman or bust. Like uh-huh. she really just yeah. I put it on my back and I'm gonna carry this this thing over the goal line to use a really shitty sports <laughs> analogy yeah. with that. But Skarsgård didn't look or sound like Bobby Kennedy. Like, not at all. I don't even think not he was all. trying. No. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think, and like, I, like you said, I don't think anyone even cared because it wasn't about him. He was just there. It's because Bobby Kennedy had to be in the movie. It was really just about Jackie and Natalie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the The movie itself, I will give it that I didn't know a ton about, and and that's what some of these biopics do do a nice job for me of just educating me sometimes. So it's like I didn't know about all of the drama the fallout after the assassination in terms of do we have a public funeral do we have a mm-hmm. you know a, pr- a private funeral it, are we worried that our kids are going to get shot you know or is there's like yeah. the, the 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 kind of the wrestling of the politics in that i i thought was kind of interesting in that movie i for me the the shot that i was think about when i think about jackie is that overhead shot of the car and it's it's only for like a couple split seconds but her kind of like dealing with the body and trying to like put it back put the head back together and stuff i thought it was a very powerful scene and then washing up afterwards which of course is actually caught on film in real life so you could actually watch the real event instead of 
Oh, it was? I I did not know that they yeah, had it. Yeah, this is a Vader film. It has some of it. Oh, but, wow. Oh, yeah, can, I it, like this scene. It's poor quality film, but you can see her try to, like, grab the piece of his head that got blown off. Yeah, but I agree. Oh, no, I, I thought like... you were talking about the wash-up scene. Sorry. Oh, no. But I like, I like the scene where they're having a discussion about what to do with the funeral, and she does a 180 and is like, we're not going to do that. We're going to, I'm going to walk out. Everyone's going to be with me. And there's that like tension in the scene and that background information. I didn't know all of that. And I didn't know how much of it actually took place. But to me, it's, those are weird moments in a movie to have a biopic where there's not a lot to do for Natalie Portman, except like live that experience. And I think she does a really good job in a few moments of like, you feel bad for her so much in that movie, obviously. But yeah, she's very measured and very stoic in it. Right, right, right. It's believable. Her There's not a lot of peaks and valleys. Yeah, she's shocked a lot of the time. She doesn't really know how to respond, I think, in some of those scenes. Well, there's always, like, uh, flashback, flash forward. They're going between two different timelines where she's Mm -hmm. given the reports to the journalists. And uh, a lot of it's redundant, but I think the whole point was kind of to show, like, how that event changed uh, her demeanor and her the way she was. She was way more hardened when she's talking to the journalists and reliving these events where they give you... Uh, she tells the story, and then you see the flashback, and you see her really she's trying to guarded. go from an innocent mm-hmm. first yeah. lady. She's guarded like, is a good one. Yeah, very much so. And then there's the scene with the priest. The priest is where she's kind of like most open, and that's where she's doing her emoting acting. Yeah. Uh, and I just the, the whole like priest as a vehicle to get people to talk about what's inside. That's been done a billion times, but I, I can see what they were going with there. I just think the movie's kind of directed, kind of it's kind of boring. It's. Mm-hmm. It's very Oscar bait. I agree. In the performance. but Which is why I hate on biopics in general, because a lot of them I feel like are that way. And that's why I say it's a good 30-minute movie, because it's it, it, it kind of draws you in initially, and then it just gets repetitive for the you know the end of it. And, I yeah, I just kind of got like bored of it towards the end. Cool. All right. Well, we got the two best in. Now we've talked about the roses. Every rose has a thorn. Every career has a shit movie. So let's talk a little bit about some movies that we didn't necessarily appreciate. And I'm going to start with Harris. Go ahead. Tell me your least favorite Natalie Portman movie. Yeah, at least the least favorite. I've got one on my list that I assume is just horrible. I haven't actually seen it. But the one that I did see that uh, I was not a fan of, and it's not because of her. It's just because it's a shit movie. And that is Attack of the Clones, the second Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's such am, a bad movie. It's it so is, terrible. Number one for me. It is. Okay, so we got, some we got a double very dip awkward, here. Uh, it, uh, Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman scenes that are just like. And what a know. waste of her in that in those movies. It's just. I don't think I've tried harder to like a franchise than I've tried to like Star Wars, just because it's so popular, and. There's some of the movies that I find enjoyable, but man, that one was just like, this is trash. Well, what's odd is that the first one launched her career, really, in terms of being a mainstream, I think, teen or adult actor or actress. She wasn't a household name yet. She was not a household name. She wasn't in franchises. Like, she wasn't carrying... She's not carrying the movie. But that decision could have, like, really backfired. Those movies sucked, and she was in all those. I mean, that's... But it didn't. That one especially was just... So, and I'm glad that you said, because the first one's, the, the Phantom Menace is okay. It's fine. It's got I thought the, the third one was fine. 
the but Christensen. Once you introduce Christensen, that was a casting <laughs> disaster. Yeah, you know, originally uh, Leonardo DiCaprio reference. Everybody drink. They they had obviously gone to a bunch of people, including Leo, to try to get them to do Anakin. And uh, I'm sure Leo read the script and said, "No, you can give this to Christensen." <laughs> so uh, he fucking he's awful. And then to dick move. To, it's never those like Star Wars has never been about the performances, but the whatever the director was having her do, and, and, and the, those love scenes between the two of them, they're like just, rolling around, like rolling on a field. Yeah. Oh God. It was awful. like Neymar making out with Neymar, rolling around on the. Yeah, field. It was. Oh, terrible. So World Cup so reference. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, all of the pretty much the even the Star Wars people try to erase the stain of those prequels out of the Star Wars canon, but they did exist, and they did suck. So, good for a shit movie there, Jordan. What about you, Hammond? I'm pretty biased. I didn't think there were too many that were that that terrible that I would say. I put both Star Wars movies on here just because I thought those were a waste <laughs> of her time to even do Which those. Which two? The, the second and the third? Yeah, the second and the third, just because... Into the Sith! The only one I put on here might be... Is she in the first one? Yeah. I, I'd go first. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. okay, like two, I mean, pick your two out of three, I guess, whatever you want <laughs> there is what I would go with. The, best of the, uh, the other movie that was, that I turned off as of late, though, was, um, what was it? It was the Mr. Magorium, or Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. Yeah, it was, it was, just, it was just, just dumb, just a stupid movie. It's just like her and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, it was just uh, miscast, that was very bizarre. It's trying to be really quirky and cute, mm-hmm. it did it just really annoying. Work. Yeah. Uh, the Magorium's Wonder Emporium sucked pretty bad. I also, just in terms of her performances in the Star Wars stuff, she kind of, like, had frog voice. It was like, bye, Sarai. She had this, like, frog voice during a lot of the stuff where she was in the white makeup, like the geisha makeup, and that just really annoyed me, too. I... I just don't have a lot of nice things. I, I generally having a movie podcast. I don't have a lot of people that I surround myself with that are about the Star Wars franchise. Maybe we should get Colin Shea on here more. <laughs> but yeah, we really we really do a pretty good job railing on most of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, one one day I'll get to the Solo movie. But yeah, I was wondering right. if you had to pretend to like it because uh, it's so popular and you do a movie no, podcast. No. Yeah. I tell it like it is, brother. So. <laughs> Uh, after so we have Mike has two Star Wars movies. Jordan has uh, let off with his as well, which is a Star Wars movie. My first least favorite comes from a place that makes me sad because I love this person, I love this actor so much. But K motherfucking P, and Your <laughs> Highness, I watched this movie because it was in the height of my Kenny Powers love, <laughs> and I did turn it off. There's there's a scene where they go to this like wizard which is basically like a squid man and he's got this like they're like smoking out of this pipe and they're calling it herbs but really it's obviously weed and they're getting high and then at the end the uh the squid puppet makes danny mcbride and james franco jerk him off and it's like once that happened i was out man and like natalie portman's in not only is she in it but again she's doing an english accent and Franco's also doing a really bad English accent. Danny <laughs> McBride's isn't bad, but she uh, she's in it, and she's, like, really going for it. Like, she's committing to, if I play this seriously, like, the comedy in the seriousness is going gonna, is gonna to be pulled off. And, oh, man, it's really embarrassing, especially for someone who had a lot of options. I think she just wanted to go smoke weed with these guys and, and have fun for a while. So, yeah, to Harvard, uh, her and Franco, you know, taking, taking some time out of class to go make a pretty shitty movie. 
Yeah, definitely. I had it on my list as well, even though I haven't even seen it. But it's uh, I've heard from enough people how awful it was that I just threw it out there. so bad. <laughs> but, hey, I like that K motherfucking P got a chance to make his own movie. So he took a swing. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gracie <laughs> yeah. Michael Scott. Okay. All right, so we've got the two. Yeah, we got Jordan's two worst. Uh, we, got, we did a lot of double dipping in the worst, which is good, because that means that she probably uh, doesn't have a ton for us to choose from. My second worst comes from 2011, same year as Your Highness, and uh, ironically, she did No Strings Attached, which was basically the same exact movie that her co-star in Black Swan, Mila Kunis, did with Justin Timberlake in uh, Friends with Benefits. Was that was that that was was that one was called? I think so. Benefits, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Ashton Kutcher also, right? Do you guys remember? It was Justin Timberlake, right? No, no, Kutcher was in. No, the, that. Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis were in Friends with Benefits. So uh, one was made in January, the other one was made in July of the same year. But uh, I forgot Justin Timberlake tried to do the acting thing. Yeah, I think he still. Yeah, he did that be. that Star Dog movie too. Remember that? Well, I mean, was actually a good he was movie. in Social Network. I, I thought I thought he was well placed. Oh, that's right. But yeah, but he's not really acting. Anyways, but yeah, yeah, I have no strings attached as my second least favorite. It's it's not a terrible movie, and it, it actually has a really good cast in it. Uh, besides Kutcher, Kutcher stanks, but obviously Portman's in it. Uh, Jake Johnson's in it. He plays the the best friend with the open button up flannel, like his classic wheelhouse kind of. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> is um is Ashton Kutcher like a carpenter? No, in that movie? he's a television producer. He like produces oh, TV, okay. right? Okay. She's a doctor. And then Greta Gerwig is her best friend. Uh, Mindy Kaling's in it. There's uh, there's a pretty decent cast behind it, but it's um, it's she executive produced it. She had like her her hands were all over fingerprints were all over this. But I just I don't know why because it's it's not funny, and her character isn't likable at all. Like she's fucking annoying, and she's kind of the the problem. One of the big problems with the movie is just her character is so poorly written and and her motivations and. And uh, it's like there's a there's a lot of the and romantic comedies and, and people say that I don't like romantic comedies. It's it's not that I don't like romantic comedies. I'll go to bat for the Notebook. I'll go to bat for When Harry Met <laughs> Sally. Like I'll, I love Sleepless in Seattle. Like when they're done good, I like them. It's just that because they're so profitable, they make a billion of them and ninety percent of them are fucking trash. And so this just hits all of the same beats you've ever seen before. There's literally a scene that was when I knew it was bad. It was uh, Ludacris and Jake Johnson and Kutcher are walking through the park, not anywhere near a basketball court, but they're holding a basketball and they're throwing it back and forth very much like Tommy and the All-American guys. <laughs> and I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> I was like, I was like uh, all we need is why to come on and be like, Mark, you know, All-American guy. Uh, you know, that's a real life, you know? So I wonder... I wonder if they were drawing for motivation of the room, but uh, it's just, you know, they just set piece to set piece. You, you've seen it a hundred times. I, I knew when where the movie was going, the probably ten minutes into it, and, and I watched this. This was part of Caitlin's, uh, you know, we do, you know, one for me, one for you, movie choosing. So she had chosen this movie, and five minutes into it, I go, okay, let me tell you how this thing ends. And I walked, and she'd already seen it. And she was like, yeah, okay, well, I still want to finish it. So I was like, this is, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the character arcs, are they're, they're set up in such an extreme way that there's only one way for this to end, you know, so. Um, yeah, and it's just disappoint, disappointing from, uh, 
uh, what you expect out of Natalie Portman because she does do such high quality stuff that to have that was automatically just like yeah you're like why because why because you talked about how reliable she is and how you know she and broke she's made your trust a point, it seems to not do these type of movies and so to to do one and just kind of mail it in it's like fine I guess like you know every actor kind of has that but. Uh, at the same time, it's like, yeah, just just why? I don't know. I guess yeah. Harvard tuition's expensive. You gotta pay the bills, so. But she was fresh off Black Swan, right? And they did those two movies. That was after Black Swan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Black Swan was 2010, and then those two were 2011. That's awful. She, and she had really nothing going on, really, between Black Swan and then all the way up into Jackie, really. I mean, six years, five, six years. Yeah, it's a movie made for airplanes and then USA Today Tuesday night movie. It's just... It, it, it only has, it's just, it's cotton candy. It's, there's no place for it. Is so. USA Today Tuesday Night Movie an actual thing? No, I just made that up. Okay, I was going to say Like the USA Network? Or? <laughs> or USA Network, that's what I meant. Yeah, see, clearly I was making it up because uh, it doesn't okay. make sense. Yeah, it's a, that's a newspaper. All right, so we've talked about the thorns. Let's get into, before we do our alternative casting, let's get into our underrateds and shout outs. So, Hammond, what's your uh, underrated? We just watched Leon, so just before the podcast, we watched this, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. It's a really weird movie, actually. <laughs> when you think about the context of like characters and how you probably couldn't make that movie today. Yeah, it's, there's a little as, bit of a Lolita presence in there, especially when she goes yes, to the bellhop like, and she's like, yeah, that's my lover, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, and you're like, this is 2018, we can't make movies like this anymore, so this is, this is a snapshot in history. Yeah, uh, especially with all the pedophilia coming out of Hollywood, it seems yeah, right, right. Too yeah. To like yeah, right. Yeah, right. The Harvey Weinstein like, stuff. This is not going to work. But yeah. but is is Leon is Leon the professional? You're underrated. It is. I just think because for a kid role, it's pretty aggressive what she was asked to do for that movie. First movie, yeah. Yeah, and it it set her out of the gate as is not a cookie cutter actress, and I think a lot of people like that movie, but for some reason Natalie Portman doesn't get brought up as much in that. We really didn't even talk about it. We were talking about our best movies and worst movies. So I think it's pretty I have underrated. it on my underrated as oh, well. Oh, really? I have it on mine as well. I uh, she so apparently this is almost like how Norton uh, had to audition against like a thousand people for Primal Fear. She had to audition against a thousand young actresses for this role, and I think she is fantastic in it. This is a movie, and it's it's really deemed one of the best like top ten action movies of all time. And it, when you watch it, there's not, like, a super amount of action in it. But it's really, it's because of the investment in the characters. And they spend a lot of time developing the relationship between Matilda and Leon. And I just really, and when I was watching it again, like, I was still laughing when they were doing the the dress-up bit. Where she's, like, dressed up as Marilyn Monroe. Again, yeah. kind of creepy, now that I'm yeah. thinking it's about weird, it. It's weird, but it also really shows weird. her ability uh, more than anything in that movie, too, where she, like, actually plays different characters within the movie. And you can tell that she is capable, even... She's about 14 years old at the time. Like, she's capable yeah. of, uh, you know, doing true acting. Yeah, that, that age. that's a lot to ask of someone in general. They have yeah. a weird, sort of, like, pseudo-flirting relationship with an older man... But you're killing people. It's like very yeah. weird to be. Go, go, to be the go have you sex start with this old French dude. Yeah. It's like okay. Well, we're also on the same theme of coming of age, right? Because she's like trying to smoke cigarettes mm-hmm. and she's trying to like talk to the bellhop, like she's an adult, like she's very aggressively trying to outgrow her years. Um, but really, she's just looking for someone to love her and take care of her. 
and you know what she's providing and just kind of opening up leon's world past you know outside of that apartment and that haven he's kind of built for himself you know it's 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 another kind of coming of age tale because they're both kind of growing and they're growing together in a weird way the i also like when they stage that when like when like items become like very valuable in in a movie like that plant you know like that plant that she gets and then that shootout's happening in that final scene and he's got to like protect the plant and it's like oh like like that kind of character shit is what puts good action above just like oh we're in the streets of new york and buildings are blowing up and everyone's dying but who cares because we don't like just when you when you invest in the characters the action is that much more intense because you want those people to live i guess i don't know yeah totally agree yeah (laughs) cool so yeah i had that as as my underrated again i also want to give a shout out to where the um uh where the heart is which is a rotten movie. It's it's got a thirty five percent, and it is very it is very cheesy. Uh, she's kind of this like low down, uh, don't even have shoes, have my baby in a Walmart kind of mom, and the community and home kind of becomes a thing. The community kind of rallies around her, and she finds friends, makes friends, learns to trust men again. Uh, it's it has a lot of cheesy elements, but it also has she's really good in it. I feel she's has some heartwarming moments. So just want to give a shout out. It's not on my list, but where the heart out, I think doesn't get enough love. 35 is a little too harsh for it on the Rotten Tomatoes. How about you, Jordan? For underrated, I'm uh, going with uh, her most recent movie, Annihilation, uh, which, okay. uh, you know, maybe it's, it's underrated because it's, it's new uh, for me, but I don't, you know, it's well reviewed. I was actually surprised to hear you say earlier that it's her second highest reviewed movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which I didn't realize, same. but, uh, there was some issue. I mean, that movie, it, it got released here, uh, but not internationally, I think. I think they sold off the rights to it because they just thought it was going to be, like, uh, it wasn't going to play well internationally. And I think it went... There was some talk of even it going to like straight to Netflix. I, I don't know all the details there. But I think it's a really ambitious and interesting movie. Um, and one that you could fill a whole hour uh, breaking down and discussing. Uh, but it's you know it's a, it's a science fiction film. Uh, there's a lot of themes within the movie that um, yeah biology versus psychology versus yeah you're a biologist I'm a psychologist and she's a this and all these all these different uh, think tanks that we're gonna put in the, into the same environment. And the viewer right. the viewers ask to interpret a lot of things for themselves and there's. Uh, you know, a lot is left open to interpretation, I would say, which makes it always interesting for debate. Um, and I've seen this movie twice now, and it's one that, man, I definitely recommend everyone uh, watch, but I, I still have a hard time forming, like, a real solid opinion on it because I almost feel like it's really close to being a, a masterpiece of a movie, but it's just not quite there. Um, but it, it's... I think it... Yeah. I think it misses on a lot of levels. <laughs> And this is the and and it and it goes down to and we've kind of brought it up earlier in this podcast, but I'm I'm character driven and you're concept driven, and where I'm with the concepts of this movie, and I always think movies like this should be made, and I think that ambition should be rewarded, and I think people should see it and check it out and make their own opinion. I just name me two good name me two characters you care about in this thing. Give we me two. Natalie Portman. It's Portman's movie. Yeah, and everybody, maybe, kind of. It's Portman's movie, oh, and everybody man. else is there to fill screen time. 
And that that but my like, biggest complaint is you that you care like they're the movie drags. It's it's a slow slow burn. It's not like and it doesn't need to be thrilling. I don't need aliens, but it's it's very it's an expedition movie that you don't care about five four of the five people on the expedition, nor do you care about her husband and the reason for her being there in general and that comes to light later. I I, again, I, I understand that they're asking me to think, and it's and it's ambitious. But just because it's ambitious doesn't mean that it's good. See, I think it works well as a, a cerebral why uh, cerebral sci-fi thriller. I thought it kind of lost its way a little bit when it uh, it sort of devolved in the middle into like this horror monster movie flick a little bit, which I thought distracted from the more interesting parts of the movie. I again, I I get that. There's they're they're trying to do some concepts. It's it's almost a little you know they're they're looking for. It reminded me a little bit of the mist, with a Stephen King with just kind of like you're going into this place and there's these like creatures. I it's 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 a little like that, but obviously this is more kind of evolution cellular based. Uh, and then just I I did kind of like the, the mist is a great movie. Of, yeah, I I do think the mist is good. I actually like the mist a lot more than I like this movie, uh, because I cared about the man i cared about the girl he was with i cared about his son i don't care about, i really don't even care that much about portman in this well it's an interesting philosophical discussion if if the intentions for you to care that much about the characters like i wouldn't necessarily go into that thinking i have to care about everybody i don't know i think the movie's presenting itself the way it's presenting itself it's not trying to be a character driven movie it's a huge theme they're trying to tackle think it, i don't think it pulls off the the think piece thing either like the same way like a 2001 i think, I think you should watch it again i think you should watch it again and that's why i have it underrated because i think it's i'm still so not going to care about the characters if i watch again i need to care well, about characters sure. if i'm going to go in there i need to be invested in who the, the characters that are in front mike of me. and i, I can't just be compared it to interstellar and I, well, my, which what, I also didn't like because yeah. there was no characters. And Mike brought it up, and I, I totally agree with him that this movie is like, it, it to me, it's similar to Interstellar, where it just seems, it feels to me that it's so close to just being an absolute masterpiece, but something is just missing from it. Yeah, it's profound in a way that it's hard to pinpoint, which is the problem. Because it's be ambitious, and it's trying to tackle a lot of things, mm-hmm. and it's deep on certain levels, but there's just something missing to it that really makes you connect to the film. But I thought Portman... And maybe- but Jordan, when the, when, real quick, guys. When when movies like that miss, when the ambitious like thing piece, high arts kind of movie, when it misses, it's a bigger thud than just like if Dark Knight misses, right? It's just, it's 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 because you're trying to accomplish so much, the swing is bigger, like the miss is bigger. I, I, I think, think they pull it off. I think they pull it off. I think... I think the director or writer or whatever leaves too much open to interpretation, which for me is another way of saying he didn't really know how he wanted to tie everything together. So there's all these like loose ends everywhere. And I'm totally into, you know, interpreting it myself as a viewer, but it just kind of was a little bit, uh, it just felt a little bit flat. Well, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same director as Ex Machina, which is a movie that I fucking love. Yeah. And... This movie just and he adapted it from a book that he didn't read. Yeah. And he said like I want to want to make it like a dreamlike state. I don't know. I just I can't I can't go with you on it. I think she's in terms of this list. We'll definitely have to do I give it a stream session later for this, but uh, for the, for the sake of moving on. It's worth watching. It's an underrated. Yeah, you should yeah, see it. Give it a watch. Give it a mm-hmm. watch and, and make your uh, whether if you're a concept person, definitely give it a watch. If you're a character person, maybe give it a watch and see if I'm missing you something. Know. And make sure to comment that that Bob is wrong, so. 
That's right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into alternative casting before we bring this home. So uh, before we give our suggestions on things she would have been good in, let's listen to some of the things that she either was uh, considered for or she turned down. So speaking of Lolita, uh, she turned down the role of Lolita in the 1997 Jeremy Irons movie, uh, and which is ironic because she did a very similar character in uh, Leon. Okay, but it's a little less sexual. Uh, then she was considered for Amy in Little Women, but that went to Kirsten Dunst. Uh, she was considered for two Anne Hathaway roles. One is Becoming Jane, and two is Selena Kyle in The Dark Knight Rises. She was replaced. She originally had done some uh, test screenings for Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio, Everybody Drink, uh, but she was actually replaced in that by Claire Danes. I don't know why. Uh, uh, speaking of the uh, superhero land, she was considered for Scarlet Joe's uh, Black Widow in the Avengers movies. And she was considered, and this one was very interesting, Sandra Bullock's character in Gravity, mm -hmm. she was considered for. Uh, and then she was also considered for uh, Lisbeth in uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Ooh. Oh, wow. That so, would have been really interesting. Yeah, I think that would have been really interesting. So those were some of her alternative castings. Uh, let me lead off with mine, because I never get to lead off. But uh, I went with a few, in a few different things that I think are her strong suits. So um, I, I've, I've heard her uh, that... Kira Knightley was her double for the uh, Phantom Menace movies. So I thought because they look very similar and uh, maybe if she worked on her English mm -hmm. accent a little bit, the whole can't take my eyes off of you, just a character just where people, this, the, a man would love her at first sight and just have this like undying love for her and, and her beauty uh, would be Kira Knightley's character in Love Actually. Oh, I thought you were going to so, say a different movie same, actually. Yeah. What were you gonna I thought you were going to say Atonement. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Oh shit! She would be actually amazement and atonement, amazement and atonement, amazing and atonement. But no, I, I said this. <laughs> exactly well, like I could see myself at a wedding with a video camera, and I'm supposed to tape everybody, but I just take Natalie Portman the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that uh, uh, so I said that uh, in terms of, uh, and she worked with Julia Roberts. I think she's very much cut from the same cloth as Julia Roberts. So uh, I said because she could do. The, the intellectual but also trashy. I thought Aaron Brockovich would be a very interesting part for her to play. Uh, that would, I, the whole legal elements plus the kind of down and out trash. So I thought Aaron Brockovich would be a good piece of role for her to chew on. And then uh, David Letterman back in the early 90s called her, a, 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 excuse me, the late 90s, called her the new Audrey Hepburn. So just kind of in the vein of Audrey Hepburn. Why not Breakfast at Tiffany's? Mm -hmm. So those were my alternative castings. Some things I would like to see Natalie Portman get a shot at. How about you guys? Let's go with Jordan. Yeah, you know, as discussed, she's uh, supremely talented. She can sort of do it all. So, um, yeah, I guess the first thing I thought of was, you know, strong female-led uh, movies, strong characters. And the first thing that popped in my head was... Uh, Ripley from Alien, and I thought mm. uh, you could pretty much, uh, you know, plug a Natalie Portman into that role, and she can carry a movie because she can be, you know, badass and just uh, the focus yeah. of a movie, and, and she can really uh, uh, carry a movie that way. So I thought that would be a uh, an interesting thing to see. And I haven't really seen her do like a you horror ever, movie. Doesn't say like action horror or something. Yeah, like that. she's done a little bit of action. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? 
and Annihilation. Yeah. Black Swan and Annihilation. Yeah, yeah. But they're in the, I like yeah. the idea of giving her I like the idea of giving her an expedition with other characters you care about. Uh, I think that would also be a, <laughs> a little jab at Annihilation. Do you care about any of the other characters in Alien? Uh, yeah. Uh, Tom Skerritt, uh, uh, John Hurt, uh, and then the the robot guy. He's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I, mm. I, I, I cared about some of the other people in that expedition. Anyway, uh, who uh, who uh, you had? Uh, was it just Alien, or did you have any others? Well, and again, because she can do it all, I thought she uh, she'd be a good uh, Mia from La La Land too. Like if uh, Emma Stone was absolutely fantastic, but um, I think Natalie Portman can do the the singing, the dancing, the emotional uh range of that she can she could do that so i it'd be kind of interesting to see that movie with her in it yeah okay. that'd be cool okay. it's a good Damn one it. what about you uh my first one was uh she would replace winona rider and girl interrupted mm. Ooh. Okay. i was thinking more garden state mental stuff and yeah. just movies that are similar like that All i think right. she'd be really good i think she'd be really good in that one and then i was also thinking about her being being kate winslet's character in revolutionary road I think Ooh. she could also do that really well. I could see that. I I could see her doing everything. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. You can plug and play her in anything. She yeah. can be an ensemble cast, her own thing. But those it's are the first two ones I thought said, about. It's interesting that you said musical because I, I don't know if she knows how to sing. That'd be one that would I would be like, oh, if oh, she could yeah. sing for sure. I just but, assume that she can because she's kind of got that like level of talent that's sort of annoying. It's like, yeah, I, I yeah. get it. You can do everything. Yeah, I bet money she can sing. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> but I bet money. I bet money she if can she sing. If she can, I'd be surprised. Yeah, she's a young actress, like a young aspiring actress in that Anywhere But Here movie with Sarandon, and they have some really cool scenes of her going and auditioning for TV and stuff. And I and I could definitely see the correlation between the the two of those. So cool. Well alternative casting done that's our structure so let's bring it home let's do uh some final quick case fours uh jordan what is your final case four yeah she's a, de- a dependable man like go sit down and watch her filmography you uh you won't regret it Perfect. totally agree mike your favorite yeah. actress she's my favorite actress she's got a long career ahead of her too she's not she's not old how old is she bob do you know do you have that in front of you uh, she was born in 81, so she's oh. five years old. Okay. She's 37. Yeah, so she's got another 20 um, years of this, 30 years of this. Yeah, she's, she's got a long career. It'll be interesting to see how uh, the role she takes changes. Like, I, I cannot wait to see her final, like, older when she's, you know, has to do those kind of roles like that. Yeah, when she uh, has daughter, when she's old enough to play, like, a mother of a daughter. Right, yeah. right. I think there's so much for her to do. Uh, she's Yeah, she's my favorite actress, so I can't wait to see what she does. Do you think she wins another Oscar before her time's up? Yeah. I think she does. I think she went for it with Jackie, but it just missed a little bit. Plus, you know, La La Land just went nuts that year. And it was hard to win that year anyways. She'll have to get it in a down year, but I think the biopic Black Swan type, where she's the central character, she's got to do more roles like that to get Oscars instead of the ensemble cast ones. Perfect. She does have an upcoming movie, uh, another sci-fi one called Pale Blue Dot. That sounds pretty interesting, uh, in my opinion. So Mm. I don't know if that's Oscar bait worthy, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you love the sci-fi. Guy, my guy's uh, throwing it back to the sci-fi days. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys have been on the pod four times, so the next one is cartoon time. So yes. uh, with that said, I will play you guys out with the Natalie Portman song from SNL about going to Harvard, smoke weed every day. I cheated <laughs> every test. 
I started all the yay. Play you guys out with some of that, and I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you guys always. Always a pleasure. Yep. Always a pleasure, guys. So with that said, for me and the guys at Denver, thanks for listening to the analysis. Bye. Yeah.